Welcome along. It's episode number 41 of From the Resort Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Wilshire. Um, today, it's the 28th of September 2022, and uh, a lot of my recent podcasts have centered around uh, mayor and councillor candidates in the Queenstown Lakes District uh, Council elections. I do have another uh, candidate with me today. Um, I'm out here in the Great Lake Hayes Estate. Uh, Melissa White, welcome along to the podcast and to hear your story. Thank you, Tim. We would like to, I guess, start off, Melissa, um, uh, remiss, remiss me to say, but uh, tell me... Uh, Tell me about where you're from and what your business is. Okay. Um, so I am a New Zealander. I was born in the North Island. So I was born in Whakatane, um, moved to Hawke's Bay and had all my schooling in Hawke's Bay. Um, then I actually went to Wellington um, to study at Victoria University. Um, there I studied, I've got a science degree in psychology and a business degree in marketing. Um, so that... Yeah, then after university, I worked for a couple of years in Wellington, um, actually for a consultancy firm um, called Martin Jenkins and Associates. Um, and yeah, and then I actually took off overseas, like many New Zealanders. Um, okay, um, so so going back, so yeah. just before we track back, what, what do you, what's your current role? What do you currently do? You got your own baking. Um, yes, so my current, the current role that I do, mm. um, is I guess twofold in the sense that yeah, I have my own business uh, that I run from home. Um, so I have a cake decorating business. So I make cupcakes and cakes to order um, for events. So very hospitality based in Queenstown, um, and I am also a mother to two young children. Excellent. So starting back, you're born in Whakatane. What was like early life like uh, that you can remember living there? And what was your family dynamics like? Brothers and sisters, mum and dad. What did, what every what was everything sort of? How did how was everything as as a child? I guess. Um, kind of quite normal. Like so, I um grew up with my mum and my dad. I've got two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot about Fakatani. We left there when I was four. So yep. all of my memories really are from growing up in Hawkes Bay. Um. Yeah, which is also an amazing place. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I just had a very normal childhood. Like nothing nothing really, um, yeah, very sta- very stable. Um, yeah, and, and actually growing up in Hawke's Bay, initially it was in central Hawke's Bay and then we moved to Hastings. Um, but down here reminds me of what it was growing up there where people didn't lock their cars and their houses and you know things were very safe and Mm. and saying that things are changing here slightly as well but Mm. that's how it's been for the last 10 years that yeah it's been a very safe secure place to live yeah so what about uh, did you play any sport any have any hobbies growing up that you can remember um probably the most most significant hobby growing up is when i was at high school i was a rower so okay. that's uh, um, that's one of those things that if you're a rower, you're a rower um, for, for however many years you do it, and that is your life. So yeah, that was a significant part of my high school mm. time, um, and t- it took up a lot of time, but also was a really amazing experience, um, being part of teams and yeah, setting goals and working towards them. Yeah, so obviously... That's something you started at a fairly young age and yeah. obviously right through sort of teen years. and Yeah, and I, I continued at university, but it was more of a social thing at university yeah. than, a, than, a, than a sport as such. Um, yeah. yeah. 
So you said you had two younger brothers. So what was yep. like being the eldest sister to two younger brothers? Any anything? <laughs> I mean, that's I mean everything. Everyone, every family is a bit different. You said it's fairly normal, straightforward. But, yeah. But being, how did that sort of go? I mean, um, yeah, I guess my brothers <laughs> might have a different take on that, but. Um, yeah, we I have a really good relationship with my brothers. They're quite different ages, so one's two years younger, one's seven years younger. So I guess in that sense, um, the one that was seven years younger, we had quite a big age gap growing yeah. up. Um, and so I yeah, actually, right. he left home, I left home, sorry, when he only just started high school. Uh, but now we have a much closer relationship, even though he's based in London now. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I loved having, you know, I loved having brothers. It was a good, it was a good experience growing up and, um, yeah, it's hard to remember us fighting, but surely we did. Mm. You know, now that I see my siblings, I'm like, surely, surely things weren't as rosy as you remember it, but, um, yeah. Yeah, okay, so going through your teen years so can, can you remember what your first job was and what what uh, where you were then uh my very first job uh, i actually delivered pamphlets around the neighborhood um and then my other high school job was i actually worked at georgie pie um georgie pie yep. georgie pie yeah mm. so um a real classic kiwi um takeaway high school job and actually i did work there when i came back from university in the holidays as well um until it actually went under so i was actually made redundant from there when it closed okay so um, tell us about um your first i guess going to university what you yep. studied there and how, how did that sort of go science and yeah so, so i always start i started doing a science it's, a, it's called a conjoint degree. So basically you do two degrees at the same time, yep. but you, you use papers to cross credit. Um, so actually, <clears throat> I, I reckon I went into university pretty naive. So actually I went in studying um, chemistry and physics is what I started studying. Um, and mm. when I got to university, I guess my eyes were opened into actually the whole... Um, wide range of things that were available that mm. I just don't think I ever got exposed to as a child um, and yeah so as I went through in that first year or so I must have had a friend that was studying psychology and I was like wow that is super duper fascinating um, so I changed my major pretty quickly probably within the first 12 months um, to be psychology for my science major rather than the physics and chemistry. Um, so I even from there, I kind of follow, I look back now and I'm like, I've actually always followed what I'm interested in. So um, yeah, I was always very good at the maths and science. That's kind of a natural thing for me. And I guess that's why I thought that I would do it at university. But actually when it came down to it, the psychology and the psychology and marketing actually worked really well, mm. at, you know, as a combination, because there's a lot of similarities yeah. between the two. Okay. Um, so then after that, did you then go out into the workforce? Were you working? Um, tell us about... I guess life after that, those first lot of degrees. And degrees, stuff. yeah. So after that, I got a um, position at. So I finished university. So I actually finished my four year degree in three and a half years. Um, I don't even know why I did that, just because I like to get rid of things quickly. Yeah, you can. I remember, and, you know, when I was at uni, I started off with a five year 
plan that turned into four. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. exactly. I just did an extra paper every term, and then that meant that I finished six months earlier. And yeah. so I started working, um, I guess, slightly earlier than my peers. So when I started working, most of my friends were still at university. Um, but yeah, I actually managed to get a really good grad. It wasn't necessarily a graduate program, but a, a, a small consultancy firm at the time hired two graduates. And so that was a really fascinating job to have that I was working with. I'm just going to have to blow my nose, sorry, because I have um, my two-year-old. Sorry. Um, the... Yeah, so it was a graduate, it was like, I guess it was a graduate position working for um, a consultancy firm who basically consulted back into the public service. They were all ex-public servants that had set up their own consultancy business. Um, and so my position there was supporting the HR kind of branch of it. They had two areas, policy and kind of HR. So a lot of my early jobs, or and it was a lot of research, but it was all around um, employment contracts. So um, one of the directors that I worked for, he was, they were like the negotiators for the government on big union contract negotiations. So um I did a lot of work of reworking contracts. Um, a lot of those old, like this, so we're talking 22 years ago, 23 years ago. Um, but back then, the, the, there was very, um, the, the, the employment contracts for the unions were very, um, very old and very, like, even back then, it was laden with clauses to say, uh, I don't know, on a snow day, you will get so many cents extra for ta- I don't, it was there was so many clauses so a lot of um, our job was bringing things back into a plain language form so um, we would kind of work that into co- contract negotiations to say like okay so we're we're renegotiating this contract but we're also gonna take out some of these really old clauses that just have no relevance anymore mm. um, and update it so that was yeah it was it was a really great starting job for my career if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. um, the people that I worked with were very knowledgeable and yeah I had some really good experiences that you wouldn't generally get as you know being able to sit in on some of the contract negotiations Mm -hmm. with unions and stuff was really fascinating stuff so I learned a lot from these people and whereabouts was that again that was in Wellington in Wellington so in Wellington at that stage um, and obviously obviously into your sort of 20 early 20s yeah early 20s yeah um, so how did you sort of find living in Wellington at the time? Was it, how did that sort of, did you enjoy living in Wellington? Was Loved it? living in Wellington. Like mm. that's a fantastic, I call it a fantastic little city. Like mm. it just had, um, it was great to study there and then it was great to work there. And for me, the jump between Hawke's Bay and Wellington was a really nice jump in okay. a sense that, you know, like it felt exciting and it felt big. It, mm. Going back then now, it doesn't necessarily feel big anymore but at that stage in my life yeah. it did feel big and exciting um and yeah i really will always have a soft spot for wellington yeah so tell us what did that role morph into something else for you or did you change did you what, what was next i guess no so that role that role i left to go on my overseas 
So my eye way. So, so yeah, I. So I, anyone overseas, what did you do and where'd you go? Yeah, so so actually for six months, um, I travelled through Southeast Asia and did my dive master qualification. Dive, okay. Yeah, so um, I was a scuba diver travelling person for six months. So just yeah, trotted around there, did the dive master qualification, then went to London. Um, the advice from the the previous employer was. To go in and work in a company, like so, so I had all this really unique experience, but I yeah. didn't necessarily have the experience of working within a company. D- yeah. yeah, so, so that was their <coughs> um, advice. Um, so when I get to, got to London, I must have been maybe twenty five, um, and actually what it was actually really hard when I got to London because I'd had this really unique experience they all looked at me as a 25 year old and they're like you know you're never going to get work like this it just you're not old enough basically you know like you don't have enough gray hairs you're never going to be a consultant in London Um, so what I ended up doing was I managed to get into a graduate recruitment team Um, so for my years in London I was a graduate recruiter Um, Mostly for investment banks. So um, I, yeah, so I worked for three different investment banks over my time there. Um, and and again, that was a really different experience, but also a really good one for seeing the inner workings of big companies. It was an amazing experience for being in my late 20s because working in investment banking in London is is shiny and you know exciting and and I was recruiting I actually specialized in the end in MBA and PhD recruiting um so yeah you were literally dealing with some of the brightest people around like just I'm the the people that I met doing those jobs was just incredible and I love following their careers now some of them have just done totally amazing things with their careers um so, so as a recruiter, always make a lot of connections in those sort of roles and jobs. I mean, yeah. did you use something? Obviously, LinkedIn's been around a while. Were you sort of... Yeah, fa- face, Facebook. Actually, I think... So Facebook was just starting right. in the last couple of years that I was there. So um, when... Yeah, um, and I can't remember what year that would have started, but that, that was just starting in the middle of my time yeah it was in my time there was just starting and you know how it just started for universities to start with so yeah it did that was when I was in the graduate recruiting and then it came for everybody before I left London but yeah that was a big part of it LinkedIn wasn't so much I think LinkedIn came slightly after that um but again that was right at the end of my time in London as well um but yeah we did use a lot of online platforms for recruiting and things like that so there was a lot of designing online application forms um and also assessment tools as well so um there was a lot there was a lot of online assessment as part of that Mm. kind of graduate recruitment process Mm. okay so, and then after that, what, what, what was next? <laughs> <laughs> so what was next? So I actually, what was next? When I left, it was, the timing was okay for me, but it did all end very dramatically. So the last company that I worked for in London was called Lehman Brothers. So I'm not sure um, how much you remember, but that was one of the biggest companies ever to go bankrupt. And I was okay. currently working for them when that happened. Right. Um, I had in the back of my mind already 
plan to be leaving. So for me, it wasn't quite so dramatic, mm. apart from the fact that I was still part of it. Um, and I was part of a team of 30, yep. 30 graduate recruit, you know, like it was a big company we worked for. There was, there was 30 of us that worked in graduate recruitment and development. Everyone in the same stage of life, getting married, mm. having, you know, like, uh, and they all lost their jobs. And it mm. was just, it was a very dramatic end to my time in London. Yeah. Um, so for me, it didn't affect me too much in the sense that I was already leaving. I was fine to go home. Um, I took a trip through Africa for three months on my way home to, yep. you know, make that break. Um, and when I came back to New Zealand, I really didn't have a clear idea of what I wanted to do. Um, I knew as I specialised in London into this MBA and PhD recruiting that there was not a job for me in New Zealand doing doing that. I, I don't think there's anyone in New Zealand that has a job that only recruits PhD yeah, no. and MBA students. There, there would There's definitely graduate recruiters, but it would be a whole program thing and that would just yeah. be part of it. So I knew I had kind of worked my way out of a job. Um, yeah. <clears throat> So when I came home, I knew I wanted to do something different. I There was a couple of different things that I was interested in. I'd become really interested in event management. Um, this was going through... Um, this was actually attending the events that the investment banks put on, which were just blew my mind as a young 20 year old um going to these things so in my head I was like okay that's a really cool job that's something I want to get into um back at back in that time cupcakes were massive in London as well so that was the other thing that was in the back of my mind I was like oh imagine having a cupcake shop in New Zealand how cool um imagine doing something like that so I had a couple of ideas um but I also didn't know where I wanted to live so I grew up in Hawke's Bay I'd lived in Wellington yes I knew if I wanted a graduate recruitment type job I'd need to be in Auckland um but in the meantime, while I was overseas, my parents had moved down to Central Hawke's Bay and were now based just outside of Arrowtown. So I had no idea. I knew I wanted to be at home in New Zealand, but I didn't know where in New Zealand that one I wanted to be. So I decided to spend that year that I got back and I decided I'd do three months in each place. I'd do three months in Queenstown, three months in Wellington, three months in Hawke's Bay and three months in Auckland to decide where I would want to live. Um... And I did the first three months in Queenstown because it just coincided when I got back that my mum needed a back operation. They managed a little B&B along Melligan's Road just outside of Arrowtown. Yeah. And when asked, do you just have time off to be able to help? Yeah. Like it, it just worked out well. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'll come for three months and I'll, I don't, I don't even think I did much cleaning. This was back, this was 14 years ago mm. when actually there were down seasons and stuff like yeah. that so what she had it so there wasn't to be the reality is I apart from cooking a few meals I don't even know actually what help I was yeah. but I was here for three months and I bought my season pass to kind of ski with my dad and um I'd always wanted to do a ski season but like I said we went to Thailand instead and yeah. I was like oh I might as well just do it at home um by the and at the same time that year I did a part-time I was part-time studying a cafe and restaurant management course just to have a bit of understanding about if I wanted to set up a cafe and things like that so by the end of the ski season I had met a few people I had learned a lot more about Queenstown and what it meant um 
and I never left. I never went and did those three months in the other locations. Like yeah. I did my three months here, um, finished the ski season, got a flat, and that was forming. That was also the end of my course, which was forming my idea about. Um, I had realised at that point that I didn't want to have a cafe. Mm. You know, a cafe was not the right choice for me. Yeah. But at that time in Queenstown, there was a lack of cake makers for weddings and things like that so I decided to set my business up to work from home um, so I had a lot more flexibility I didn't have the high overheads um, and that's how that kind of came about mm. so the cake the cake business that you still um, got now at the moment how long is it how long have you had that for so that in January it'll be 13 years yeah, so um, yeah so f- but coming up this month I I would have been at it full time for 10 years. So for those first couple of years, yeah. I had part time jobs as yes. well. So, yeah. so I worked at Onsen Hot Pools yes. as uh, as as a as a, a, a yeah, yeah a pool a pool yeah. cleaner and yeah. I don't know reception person. <laughs> um, I then also pursued the event management part as well. So I managed to get a, it was actually a full-time event management job um, for a company called Exclusive Events in Queenstown. So um, I think I worked for them for about 18 months um, and that was, yeah, as an event manager, organising events, kind of administering them. Um, And then they went through a change of ownership, which was almost exactly the same time that I wanted to reduce my hours I didn't want to be full-time anyway so again it kind of worked out well um and but at the same time there was a part-time event manager job for Real Journey so then I actually worked for them for a year as well um and that finished and the reason I know this is it's just come up is the last job I did for them was the Ernst Law's 100 year celebration so they had a week-long celebration and I kind of finished that and then and then went cakes full-time and the reason I know it's 10 years is because the Ernst Law turns 110 in a few weeks time and I'm making that cake too so um yeah so I've been full-time cakes for 10 years now they must be pretty good at cakes then Uh, yeah that is definitely one of my skills yeah definitely um so been here for quite a while you obviously were at lake hayes any you've lived in any other places around apart from lake hayes um yeah so my very first flat in queenstown was actually at the top of the stairs right in town um yep. i've on the name is it i can't find near the sofitel is it yeah so it's just it was a diagonal from the sofitel it's the, the house unfortunately has just been pulled down to yep. build that new hotel um so that was my first flat that I moved into so when I was single and 30 living in Queenstown it was definitely an ideal place to live um then I lived in um on Queenstown it's not quite Goldfield Heights it was on Panorama Terrace anyway so I lived in a flat there for about a year not even a year, um, and then I met um, I met someone, and then we moved into a house in Fernhill that yeah. we lived in for three years before yeah. we moved to Lake Hayes Estate. So I've yeah. lived in a couple of different spots, but mm. yeah, in this house for nine years. Excellent. Um, so tell us about the. I guess you've obviously been around enough to see how how things work a bit in, when it comes to the council. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> What what about the council that makes you think that uh, you want to be obviously be a councillor uh, in the Arrowtown Kawarau uh, um, ward? And uh, what sort? When did you sort of first get interested in in doing so? 
that sort of thing. Just we'll start there. Um, so probably my first interest in it, or, or I guess what started me thinking, I, I don't even know how many years ago, but it was quite a few years ago. Um, how long? I've been in here nine years. So I was probably about seven years ago. So I obviously have to deal with the council. I have to register my kitchen. There's a lot of rules around it. It has been very difficult in the past to register a home kitchen. Um, so... I have had, and then there's been a lot of changes in legislation over the years, and and I've actually had quite a few arguments with the council um, about the kitchen registration and how much we have to pay for an extremely low-risk um, product and and and. And I would go, and I used to go, I used to go and talk to Ferg about it, and anyway, so. <clears throat> And and the reality is I never really got anywhere. I didn't feel like anyone ever really listened to what I was saying. Um, and yeah, so that kind of prompted me to start thinking. It's like no one's actually listening to what people who are living in the real life, you know. And, and, and that's a feeling that I got. And I was just like the only way to make a difference um, would to be one of those people. To be able to listen and try and try and help the people, you know, like not just have complete blanket policies and have no flexibility at all when you see that there might be a variation, you know, to, to your, yeah. So that was kind of where, so that was probably six or seven years ago um, that that kind of was in the back of my mind that actually the only way to different, the only way to make a difference would to be involved um and and i guess it's taken me this long because i've just had two children so yeah. my daughter's six and my son just turned three the other day yeah. um so i guess i'm i'm an exact so my son turned three the other day so the elections three years ago also was not the right time for me i was no, very heavily pregnant and i was about to have a baby um whereas now i find myself in a position that actually my son just turned three so he's now going to daycare a few more days a week um and in the last 12 months i also separated from my partner so um he actually has the kids quite a bit and I've got time on my hands to kind of go back to this interest of okay. how can I how can I with my extra time make a difference mm. okay so there's some motivations obviously you've experienced um you know, obviously something you know, we've having your business um here and, and basically the you know the compliance the red tape as you mm. want to call it yeah call it um paying you know you know, fees in order to comply, that sort of thing. It's it's a bit of a, it, it's, it's you know, not, I guess there's other businesses around that I'm sure have to, to go through yeah. know, similar uh, hurdles, I guess, in order to, um, you know, to, to get their business working from home or, yeah. you, know, you know, something like that. So um, hopefully, you know, that you, you can be, you know, be a voice to be able to get those sort of things um, more streamlined and yes. hopefully, hopefully whoever, whoever's in charge can at least listen to this sort of stuff and at least get yeah um, that sort of thing happening um as far as the area itself obviously it's a beautiful area you, you had a plan to, to go and only live here for three months but haven't left no yeah <laughs> um so that's that basically is a testament to the the area itself um i guess how what what are the things that you enjoy um about this area the most and the people and uh where do you think you can make a difference as a counselor 
Oh, there's quite a few things. So what do yeah. I enjoy about the area first? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess... Yeah, I enjoy actually everything about the area. So I love running, I love walking, I love biking, I love skiing, I love being outdoors, I love having my kids outdoors as much as possible. Um, and I... Um, so so in terms of the area, for me, you can't beat it. Like, it's mm. absolutely stunning. You just have so much on your doorstep. Like, mm. how lucky were we to live here when COVID hit that actually being stuck at home for six months but mm. you could walk down to the like it was actually stuck you know those mm. kind of things were stunning mm. um and co- and continue to be and so that that's why i live here and that's why i love it and i can't see myself going anywhere mm. um what was the next part of the question so because there was quite guess, a few but yeah, yeah that's why yeah, i love sometimes it I load, load <laughs> yeah. things up and, and just so i don't forget uh, but anyway that yeah now we, <laughs> now we've forgotten the rest of it. Yeah, but, yeah. But basic, one of the things was, uh, what? How do you think you can make a difference if you if you're elected as a councillor? Yeah. Okay. So how I think I could make a difference, and and I guess, yeah, why I want to make a difference is I feel like um, I feel like sometimes. Um, councillors have lost touch a little bit with what the reality is because because the way that it works is you have to commit a certain amount of time people can quite often only do it later in their careers they're at a different they're at a different time in their life um and and i had and i decided i was like why wait i've got this opportunity now where i run my own business so i choose the amount of work that i do um you know i can i can say no to business if i if i need to um and and i feel like i bring a different perspective because i'm coming at it from i've still got a young family i'm living in the subdivisions like it's all about how do we grow queenstown in the best way possible and so I get it that there has to be growth, but let's make it as managed and, and as appropriate as possible. Like, I think there's been some huge mistakes made um, in how the design of subdivisions has been, um, lack of parking out here, lack of infrastructure before the subdivisions are built, and it really has an impact on our everyday lives for the people that are living in the subdivisions. So I guess that's... I guess the voice that I want to put forward is someone who's living it right now. Like it is tough at the moment. Like mm. it's been a tough couple of years to be have your own business yeah. in hospitality in a tourist town, um, and and the growth isn't going to stop. We have to accept mm. that. So let's make it as best as best as we can and and have a wide range of voices that mm. that can that can talk from different perspectives and mm. i guess that's what i'm trying to offer as a different perspective than what we've had in the past no fair enough um talking about your business and, and uh i guess when we had obviously the, all the restrictions with COVID, that would have affected you yes um, quite quite like any like a lot of people yeah um I guess you have to sort of build, you know, thick skin, resilience, uh, whatever it is when these sort of things happen. How did you sort of get through that period? Um, So I guess, um, yeah, I mean, what was interesting is when COVID hit, my son was six months old. So I'd already had six months of not working quite so much. Um, and, And in terms of that resilience, I... I looked at it as an opportunity rather than yeah it, yes it was disastrous but but in terms of my life 
span and where I was at life, my son was six months old. So mm. if I got an extra 12 months with him... Yeah, well, that was good that, from that point of view. So yeah. it was very good from that point of view. So that's what I focused on. So mm. when we got back up and running, I, I did the work that I could. Obviously, it was re- definitely reduced from what it would have been if COVID wasn't there. Um, but then I just didn't put my son in daycare. So mm. so he was yeah. due to start daycare yeah. when he was about eight months old. Yeah. Um, instead, he started when he was almost two. Yeah. So um, so I guess I just balanced I balanced the lack of working mm. like anyone. Yeah. Like anyone. Yeah. If you haven't got as much money, you don't spend as much money. So yeah. we didn't spend money on daycare. Yeah. And I just worked when he slept. Mm. And and I managed it around that, um, and so yeah, that's that's how I try and see things. There's some mm. things you can't control in life, so you can either accept it and find a positive way to look at it, mm. or um, you can be all down in the dumps about it. So that's not the way that I choose to look at things. So obviously, since then, um, and and you, as your sort of business got back to the back to where it was sort of pre-pandemic levels, with yeah. how busy you are and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's it is it's different now. There's it's a different um as a different climate that we're operating in. But yeah, the business is um back to pre-pandemic levels. Um but again, it's my business is reasonably hard because don't forget I had just had a baby mm. and even 3 years before, you know. So so my pre-pandemic levels weren't necessarily yeah. full full-time anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I think you, you know, obviously you wouldn't obviously look at the this opportunity to be a counsellor unless you feel you had uh, time to dedicate to that. Yes, that yeah, well. yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so no, there's a lot of information out there about how long it takes. So, yeah, I have got quite a good plan in place mm. for how that would work. Um, I guess, did you have much, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, some of the other candidates, I guess, that had decided to go into to the race yeah. um, for a counsellor's position, uh, felt that it was, you know, the time was right for them. Um, obviously, there were some people or their friends or the people in the community sort of said, tapped them on the shoulder yeah. and said, you should, you know, yeah. you should run, you'd be good for this. Did you sort of, is there any, what sort of influences, I guess, have other people had on your decision? I would say not really any. This is my decision. So, yeah, yeah I, people have been very supportive when I told them, but yeah. I didn't, I don't I don't think I needed any encouragement. This came from within me as something that I wanted to do um, rather than, yeah, someone shoulder tapping me saying, I think you would be good at this, if that makes sense. Like, um, yeah, it was, it came from me, and people have been very supportive. Like all of my friends are like, "Oh yeah, you'd be awesome at that." Mm. Um, but um, yeah, it wasn't it definitely wasn't a shoulder tapping situation. It was more something I had been thinking about for quite a few years, and and something that I'm really interested in, and I think I would be good at. And yeah, that's where it came from. So tell us about. Um, do you have any people? Uh, that you consider heroes growing up for you that you sort of based some of your life philosophies on or do you have any mentors that you sort of look up to? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, that's one I ask though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reckon I would have had very... I don't think I have one, like, one specific 
person that is the I would say that I've had lots of different ones along the years like definitely there's a few key teachers growing up at high school that made a big difference um, and a couple of the jobs that I had like that very early job the people that I worked for there were really amazing um, and always really supportive of what I was doing and my next steps um, so yeah I would say small that there's small areas of my life that there, there have been people but not one major yeah role okay. model and uh, what do you have any sort of other as far as you know movies that you like to watch or favorite tv shows or anything <laughs> like that is there anything that that you sort of uh, swear by when it comes to that type of thing um no, but if we go back, um, actually, no, that's not true. Do you know what? I love watching Friends. I always watch Friends on reruns. Quite often, because I work because I work by myself, I quite often have my iPad on with some kind of TV. That's very easy watching. I don't need yeah. to. I don't actually need to be concentrating this in the background. So actually, I I do. That is one that I love. Um, in terms of movies. I haven't watched this for a long time, but when Titanic came out, I did go to the movies to see it five times. Wow. I must have been, I don't know, 19 at the time. Yeah. So let's, yeah. So if you wanted to say that was my all-time favorite movie, like probably you'd have to say that. But the reality is I haven't actually watched that for a long time. Yeah, no, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't watched that since then. <laughs> but five times at the movies was, a, was definitely yeah. a little extreme. And the reality <laughs> is a lot of the TV watching and movies that I go to at the moment are cartoons. Mm. No, oh, cartoon but in saying that, yeah. Encanto, Encanto, the Disney movie, is very good. What, so it's called in? Encanto. Encanto. It's a Disney movie um, and it is very, very good. Okay. Good stuff. Um <laughs> So, where, what do you see that? What do you see your future looking like? Is it is do you sort of a person that lives in the moment, living for now, or do you look too much? In, I know you've got children that are young, um, but do you look much into the future to see what things are going to be like for you in the future? Um, I would say I'm a bit of a mixed bag there. So I always have a plan as in this is where I'm heading towards. Um, but I am a true believer in living for the moment. So I really try and make the most of all opportunities. And, um, and I think that's one thing I love about living here is that you can have amazing experiences all of the time mm. on your doorstep. Like we don't have to go very far mm. um, to have yeah an amazing experience. So I would say I'm a little bit of both. So I always have a goal in mind and I'm always working towards something. Um, but yeah, I very much am for not worrying about something that you can't control um, and, and making the most of every opportunity. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but and obviously, if you just sort of got a, a view to the future and and what the kids are going, how they're going to sort of, do you think they will stick to the area? Or you don't, it's, it's a, you don't know, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. They're to, they're was well, three. Sorry, now three and six. Um, mm. So yeah. I, I mean, my, I don't know, and I want my children to do what they, you know, like. We, we're here for the foreseeable future. This yep. is where I imagine that they will finish school. Um, from there it will be up to them if they want to go to university i really loved the experience of going away to university so yeah. i would fully support that yes. and obviously it's not actually it's not an option for them to stay here and go to university and i don't actually would want i don't think i would want that to change like i think that that is an amazing opportunity um 
but it's hard to know what they're going to want in 15 years. So. Okay, what do you think the, the biggest needs are for the community here? There's obviously people talk about different things that, that the community needs. Yeah. You could name half a dozen or more yeah. different things that could be could that, that are essential yeah. uh, in the area. Tell us what are the ones for you. Okay, so I guess my major ones that I'm most focused on uh, is housing. So, and that's, I guess, twofold. It's That's about the growth of how we manage the growth of the community, but that's also helping helping people stay in the region so this is a housing trust house that i live in um so i know um yeah i know how much that that organization does to help people but how limited it is with its resources mm. um and how much need there is for it now yeah. um and, and that's not that's only increasing that's not yeah. decreasing um so i guess there's two things here i'm a big supporter of the work that they do um and and it was also managing the growth so it, it is a serious issue here about keeping people in the region and attracting people to the region like we're just not going to get people to stay if we can't offer them affordable housing um i'll give you the, and there's an example yeah. of obviously all the workers there's n- no one is fully staffed in town at the moment no, not. no one like i don't know one... in the news that came up overnight 100 people there were 600 positions available at this um at this uh what's the right word Ex, you know, I guess it's a recruiting expo or whatever you want to call yeah. it, and there was a hundred people, hundred people looking, looking for jobs. jobs. So. Yeah, so we're not, yeah, we're just not going to be able to attract people unless we can find some solutions to that. Um, and and actually, I'll give you an example. It's not just that area. So. I, we talked about why I came here and my parents were living here at the time. Um, they retired maybe four years ago, five years ago, um, and and they were not able to stay in the region. Like So we grew up in Hawke's Bay, so the house that they owned is still in Hawke's Bay. There was no way of them being able to sell there and buy here, yep. so they had to go back to Hawke's Bay. Um, but to me, that I mean, that was a big personal loss to me, but that was also a big loss to the community. Like, they had yeah. just reached retirement age. Mum, yeah. You know, mum did lots of fundraising. She was part of the Arrowtown Entertainers. She was, dad was the president of the Bridge Club. He ho- coached hockey or, or, or taught hockey across. He's a primary school teacher. but So he did a lot of relieving in the area. Mm. He um, worked for Hockey New Zealand and taught hockey at all the schools. Yeah. So... So to me, it's not it's not just the I guess younger people yeah, that we okay. need to attract. We're losing we're losing valuable um, community spirit and and people who offer a lot to the community mm. by them not being able to stay. So it's kind of across the generations. Mm. So that's an issue. It's not just the who's going to make us coffee and who's going to clean the hotel rooms. It's it's across the board that we're losing people that add real value to the community. Mm. I mean, the, the idea is to obviously um, get people into the community that are valuable as well. Like, hmm. you, you, you give the example of them leaving, um, but also there are people moving to the region that, you know, that have, you know, obviously cashed up financially yep. viable, can come in and, and try to buy something from, obviously, either from somewhere else, like another part of New Zealand, whether it's Auckland or, yep. you know, someone coming across from Australia. To live here, so there are a lot, there are lots of. I think there's a bit of demand for people like that coming in yeah. for 
for everyone that sort of does leave, mm. I think there's just as many that'll, that'll come, come, in, yep. come in and contribute, maybe more, whether they contribute, hopefully they do when they come yeah. in. But um, yeah, but that's an interesting thing. And, and I guess anything else that sort of um, sticks out to you as, as something that we, we really need to get uh, sorted out when um, it comes to... So one of the things, and this is a hard one because it's not actually the... Um, Queenstown Lakes District Council responsibility, but that's the transport here. Yeah. So that falls under the Otago. Um, so I would be really keen for um, this council to look after. I, I just think the, you, the, the yeah, it's own transport. The, the the needs are really unique here, and and yes, it is better than it was five years ago, but it just doesn't actually serve. Um, the purpose that it should and and yes obviously they've got even more issues at the moment with short staffed and things like that but just um for example that the, the the loop out here and because i've had my broken arm we haven't talked about that but i've been using public transport a little bit more um in the last month that, that was, I, was that skiing it was skiing yeah, yeah it was skiing so i've been using it a little bit more um in the last month or so but we live Right side, right side bus stop. So we do use it sometimes yeah. anyway for me and the kids to go into town. Um, but the route out here, the way it's designed at the moment is the drivers are sitting here for half an hour every hour not doing anything. Mm. And and I'm just like, how how is this a good use of anybody's money? The bus mm. is heavily subsidised. So yeah. we're all paying for these drivers to be sitting doing nothing. And that's obviously a timetabling thing. Um, that surely we can make it more efficient for what we've got um but we could also make it more usable for people like the yeah. reality um is that if i need to go to five mile i'm never going to get on the bus to go there because i have to go to the hub in frankton even though we've passed five mile mm. have to go in the hub and then come back and like get another bus road. yeah so it's, it just that doesn't make any sense um yeah. so there's a lot of improvements there that could be made that i would like to be seen yeah, whether well, that's something we that's will a good be example yeah. yeah whether whether that's something that we can the problem is that is an otago regional council yeah. responsibility at the moment yeah. but it would be good if it was it was managed more locally yeah that makes sense and i guess one of the final things is what would you like to tell listeners, uh, people that uh, are considering voting for you? I mean, some people have voted already, but uh, mm. some people haven't. They've still got another week or so yeah. to vote or to get yeah. those votes in by Saturday the 8th, I think. It does Saturday the 8th. Or um, if you're posting, Tuesday the 4th. Yeah, but yeah, you probably just drop it off or post by next yeah, Tuesday, yeah. as you said. So um, final message for, I guess, for, uh, I guess the district as to... Um, you know, vote, vote for Melissa. Yeah. Um, okay, well, first point is or please not. vote. Yeah, yeah that, that's actually the first point. At the moment, the voting numbers that have come mm. back are very low. Yeah. Um, and very typically, um, these elections, people are very apathetic on. So um, voting numbers traditionally have been low. I was hoping that this year that would be different because I think it is a very important year. It's, there's so many things happening in the region. There's It's such a big... There's some big decisions to go going forward, so it's more important than ever. So the, my first point is please vote. I would really like you to vote for me. I do think that I bring a lot to the table that hasn't um, necessarily been there before, and I just offer a slightly different perspective of someone living the issues right now. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking people to vote for me, but most importantly, please vote. 
yeah, definitely. Most of, that's the most important thing. If you can, if you're able to vote, please vote, and you haven't got a long, lot of time to do it. As eighth of uh, October is very, very close. It's you know, it's only ten days away, basically, or less. So you know, make sure you do vote. And uh, I think it's been great to to hear about your story on the podcast today, Melissa. Um, I guess that's that's been a pretty good summary, I guess, of what's important, where you've come from, um, what you stand for things that you've been involved in, your, your you know, involvement with the community here, um, what you like to do, etc., and how you think you'll help. So thank you very much for your time. I do, I do appreciate it, and we'll get this uploaded uh, shortly. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.